Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey guys. Welcome, 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 welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a great show. Great, great podcast for you today. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one because there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to have Katie Linendahl in here. And we're going to talk about my debut that I have this week as a professional wrestler. That's right. I'm now a professional broadcaster and a professional wrestler. Bull James is going to be my guest on the show this week, uh, formerly known as Bull Dempsey. Bull James is officially back on the independent circuit. He had his first indie match this weekend over at WrestlePro, same place where Primetime Sam Roberts made his debut. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? So we'll get into all that. Don't forget to get a, a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt or a Boo the Bad Guys t-shirt over at NotSam.com. Click on the shop thing, and you can get it, Okay. Okay, let's start it. We've got, uh, uh, and don't forget Roadblock, too, this Saturday. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about the new place that we can all watch Lucha Underground together. So much going on in the world of wrestling. But first, I wanted to, I, I, I've been trying to get Bull Dempsey, Bull James on the podcast for a little while. And schedules just haven't allowed it. But it, I was able to do it this week. Um, I was I was very disappointed, as you know, uh, both Linendahl and I were fans of Bull Dempsey on NXT, and we're both fans of him as a wrestler. I knew Bull when he was just James. I knew him uh, from the indies on the East Coast here. Before he got signed to NXT, uh, I was super excited to see him get signed, as you are when anybody that you've kind of watched come up and know deserve it gets signed. Uh, And so, of course, uh, it was a bummer to see him released from NXT. I think it could be a good thing. You know, all those things can always be a good thing. He now has the opportunity to make a real impact on the independence if it's something that he wants to do. Uh, and I wanted to talk to him about his whole story, about getting to NXT, about what life was like there, about getting released, about what next steps are, about everything. So I figured what better place to find out that information than to ask him himself. And I share that with you now. Bull James is my guest on the podcast this week. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Interview. Look who's here for the first time. Bull James. Yeah. Is what we're, see, that's what I, 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 I wonder, because, you know, you're Smith James. Mm-hmm. Then you're Bull Dempsey. Yes. Now Bull James. Is it tougher to figure out, because you're doing years on the indies before you get signed, and then you kind of are figuring out who you are, right? Yeah. And then you go over and you get signed and they're like, okay, now you're Bull Dempsey. And you're like, okay, let me get a grip on who Bull Dempsey is then and leave that guy behind that I was before. And then you leave there and feel like what, what, which transition is more difficult, if any. So it wasn't so much um, me finding myself. Yeah. Because Smith James and Bull Dempsey were pretty much one and the same. It was kind of the same thing that I was doing. Uh huh. Um, I came up with the Bull Dempsey name. Oh. And kind of took the attitude that I had in the ring as Smith James and transitioned it over. And were you surprised that just adding the name Bull was like, oh, okay, now everybody's getting it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a bull. I'm yeah, a tough was, dude. Yeah. And I kind of had the thought process beforehand of like, I want to get signed. Yeah. And I know my name's going to change anyway. 
So you're like, whatever. So why would I put like this effort into this really cool name and then, well, you can't have that anymore. <laughs> so, and you did the WWE thing anyway because you just reversed your first and last name, right? Yeah, pretty much. Why'd you do that? Where'd you come up with Smith, Smith James? Uh, Danny Doring came up with it uh-huh. and added uh, Big Game in the middle because he liked the idea of Big Game James. I thought that was cool. And it is a tough guy name. Like the first name Smith is like an old school, like, you know, round up your fist bo- boxer yeah, name. it all kind of fit together. Yeah, yeah. And so you get – but you didn't, you weren't attached to that name at all. No, not at all. Like it was designed to – To just throw away. Right. Yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And then you go – so when you leave NXT, do you ha- always have in the back of your head, like just in case I leave, I know what my next indie name will be? No. Or – it, just, just, it was just like a last-minute thing. And then when I went uh, and did Taz's show, he said, what do you think of Bull James? And I said – yeah, that kind of rolls off the tongue. You figured it out on Taz's show. It was pretty much like the day before. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to make a graphic. Tell me what you think. And I saw it and I went, yeah, it looks good. Right. And it makes sense, too, because Bull Smith is going back to the <laughs> yeah, Bull yeah. Fit gimmick and it, it doesn't work out. That's right. I'd say if you're doing comedy, yeah, Bull Smith is the name. Similar, yeah. how, did you, how did you feel about it? Well, first of all, I guess we can go back to the beginning of you working on the – a lot on the East Coast Indies, right? Yeah, a lot. North, that, Northeast. Right, because I remember because we knew each other before you were signed. Right. From the, from the little East Coast shows. And I didn't even know you had been signed. Like, I think I went to, like, maybe I was at the Performance Center or an NXT show or something. And I remember being like, oh. Yeah, I think it was a media day at the Performance Center. Right, and I think I didn't know. Yeah. I either didn't know that they had signed you or I just found out. And I was like, oh, shit, look who's here. <laughs> I think, I, was that like the 2K thing? Yeah. Cause I yeah, because I was on the top rope and I looked over. I'm like, oh, there's Sam. Right. <laughs> and I remember I was shooting because like it, it was just a bizarre scene. Because in one ring, you guys, you guys were in the padded ring mm-hmm. doing the top rope stuff. So you're over there like practicing the headbutt, I think is what yeah. you were doing. And then in the other ring, they had just signed Devitt, Steen, and Kenta. Right. And so it was like the three of them just practicing their roles. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? It's a bizarre like, world. They're teaching these guys who I've seen wrestle for years how to do it. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, this is what we do. Um, was, it, was your goal, obviously when you start wrestling, your goal is to go to WWE. Cause, of course. Because you're a wrestling fan and you're like, Bob, was that straight through from the, from, the, from the day you started until you got signed, that was where you were focused? I think it always is. I mean, it yeah. kind of has to be. Because if you... If you want, if you want to do something bad enough, you want to be the best at it, mm-hmm. you know. And the guys that are recognized the most are the guys that are there and successful there, right? So it's always, you know, the thing. And then I think over the course of time, you kind of find your path, yeah. And if it's not working out, or if they say no, okay, well now what else can I do, right? And but if it's always the top thing. I think it's the one thing everybody always goes after, right, right, right. And like you said, I mean, you you pick the name with the intention, and that's kind of, I mean, that's probably the best way to think is to. Think of your indie career as temporary because the you know if you're just focused on getting to that next step, getting to that next step, I would think mentally you're more likely to get there. Yeah, I think I think so. Like you have to set that goal, mm-hmm. and you just got to put the blinders on and go for it. When you and so when you're figuring out the Smith James character, then I guess are you trying to figure out okay, what can I show them that they don't already have or that they need more of, or are you thinking like okay, if I'm this tough guy, dude? This is an old school thing that used to be a lot because it was very sort of like Bruiser Brody meets Stan Hansen meets the, those guys from the 70s that were omnipresent. There were tons of tough dudes in the 70s yeah. that you would get into a fight with in a bar and they would legit kick your ass then go to the ring and kick somebody else's ass. 
but you don't really see those guys anymore. No, you don't. And I was, you know, I was training with Taz and there were, there was like, it was this mix though. Cause I, I have this motor and I can do things that guys my size really don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to, cause there's stuff that Kevin can do. Owens that's right. Awesome. And there's, uh, there's so many more athletic big guys coming around. Yeah. So it's starting to become a thing. But at that point, none of them were really signed. Right. So, right. Cause it wasn't the look. Yeah. It was, right. just, it was something different. Mm-hmm. And on top of that though, when I was training with Taz, he brought out this intensity with me that in this aggression. So it was kind of like just trying to find that thing that just mixes it all together. How is training with Taz? It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because Taz is like a, obviously he's a super smart wrestling dude, but he is like, I would imagine as no nonsense as you could be. No, absolutely. But I think you kind of need that. Yeah. And I had started, um, training with him and when he opened his school, it was in like the first class. Mm Mm-hmm. And Danny Doring had told me, look, it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough, but it's going to be worth every cent. Right. But when I got there, Taz kind of had the, imp- it was, it was more of, I'm not training you from scratch. Right. Oh, I remember when he opened the school yeah. and he specifically was looking for guys that had already been working right. so he could kind of fine tune. Yeah. And I think yeah. he didn't want to go through the process of training guys from scratch because it was such, it's such, it is a headache. It, it, it really is. And he did a lot of the training at the old ECW school. Is that right? No, it was, a, it was like a new facility that, uh, no, no, no. I mean, when oh, ECW had yeah. a school, he was one of the, he was the top. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And that, but that was from scratch yeah, back then. Uh, yeah. And the, so, so he gets this facility and he brings you in as a guy who's already been working and you sign up and start taking classes there, and that did, did it click right away because you had that experience and you knew that, or was it something where this is frustrating right now and eventually it clicked? No, in? I think I think it clicked right away with him because we just kind of thought alike, mm-hmm. and it kind of translated between the training and how I was picking things up. And I remember at the uh, the end of the first class of guys, the last training session, you had like a one on one. Right. And guys were walking in in the office, like, all happy, expecting to be like, oh, you're going to get a tryout. You're going to do this. And everybody was walking out, like, really dejected. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there going, oh, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And I was like, I think the second to last one to go or the last one. Uh-huh. And I walked in watching all these guys, like, their dreams crushed. I'm going, oh, no, I'm next. I'm next. So you're sitting there, like, you go up. You, what, you have to do a few moves or wrestle a match? No, and- it was just like a one-on-one meeting in the office. Oh, he just, just talks to you? Yeah. And he can tell based on what you're, uh, who you are as a person, whether he wants to work with you or not. Well, no, this was at the end of it. Gotcha. This was like the last training session. Gotcha. Of the first class of guys. It's like graduate. It's like your report card. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I went in there, and he like just he spoke volumes of everything, and I just it was such a relief, and mm. I was proud because I knew what he had done and his reputation as a trainer. Right. So for that guy to put a stamp on you, it was it was a proud moment for me. Yeah. How difficult is it? So so. So then I'm imagining that you leave Taz's school well, no. ready to, like, he, crush the Indies. He kept – yeah, the mindset was definitely there, the mentality. Yeah. But he had more classes coming in. Mm-hmm. And because I lived maybe, like, a half hour from the facility, he told me, you know, I'm not going to charge you any, more, any extra money, but I want you to come back for every class. And he kind of used me as, like, the example for the next group of guys. Right. And you did come back for every class. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I would imagine, too, the, but what we're saying is, like, once now you're kind of the graduate student of that class and you've got Taz being like, this is my guy. You must be able, you must have a new confidence about you. Oh, absolutely. That this is a real possibility. Yeah, that if I can sure. impress Taz over here, I can probably yeah, impress and, yeah, other right people. Yeah. So what was the process like getting signed? Like, did they know about you? Did they see you? Did you go to a camp? So 
I had reached out to Ring of Honor. I did their first tryout mm-hmm. and got told no. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Taz had hooked me up with a couple dark matches in TNA. Which, when Ring of Honor tells you no, does that screw with you psychologically being like, well, if Ring of Honor says no, how am I going to get to WWE? I mean, I wanted to work there. Yeah. So a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't like it is now where there's these guys coming in from the independents. You know, there was still that you had to impress WWE. It didn't matter who you were or where you were from. Gotcha. You know? And then I had my TNA dark matches, mm-hmm. and they said no. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of like, all right. But Taz and I were on the flight back from TNA, and he told me, he's like, I know I know your mindset. Keep plugging. You know, you're going to be fine. And then I forget. Taz was, Taz was working in TNA at the he time. He was still commentating there. Right. You know? So he helped Jack get the dark matches. Right. And then that's why he was flying back and forth with you. Yeah, and we, had this, we had, were going back to the same airport. Which had to be great. I mean, the fact that you've got your mentor there with you as you're going through this step in your process. Yeah, it, was, it put me at ease. Cause right. It was my first time on, you know, a that kind of a TV sort of level, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And then I, I think I, I just said it one night. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to email WWE and I'm going to try to get booked. And they booked me as an extra. And um, <laughs> who do you email? Like, um, I think I, I had met Bill DeMott on an indie show uh-huh. after his deep South tenure. Uh-huh. And he had just taken back over recently, I think around that time. So I said, um, you know, I'm interested in getting a look and blah, blah, blah. He put me in touch with the office, and then I was booked as an extra. Gotcha. So I uh, went and did extra work. William Regal and Scott Armstrong took a liking to me when they were watching uh, watching us work out before the show. Mm-hmm. And cut promos in front of Matt Stryker and Regal and same, pretty much the same group of agents and guys. Mm-hmm. And they liked my stuff, and they brought me back. And then the next month, I had a match. And then Regal found me later on and told me, you know, you're going to be getting a tryout in February. So this was November of 2012 wow and when all this is going on like do you have to calm down your expectations and not get too excited because this is it oh it was cool calm and collected on the outside and inside everything was just going oh my god what's going on right 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 and so so uh, because i didn't realize i guess when you go for extra work do they usually have the guys that go for extra work kind of cut promos and roll around in the ring just so they can see them or yeah you'll usually uh Raw is a little more hectic, so you don't really get that opportunity. Yeah. But you'll sit in the stands during the day, and, and William Regal will talk to you, and he'll you, you, you just open, like ask questions and talk to you. That's interesting. And, and that must be – that's got to be a filter for them too, right? Because anybody that's got a guy like William Regal offered to them, hey, pick my brain. If somebody says, no, I don't really have any questions, right away you know, we don't, yeah, even, we don't even look at this guy. Yeah, there's no need like, – why – and how could you not? Right, exactly. You know? Exactly. You'd have you'd have no interest in professional wrestling whatsoever yeah. to not have anything to talk to this dude about. And that's the one thing I learned too. Like, there's no, there's no stupid questions. Right. Because even if you ask something, you're going to get something out of the answer that maybe you weren't even looking for. But there's right. always a message there somewhere if you find it. If you look hard enough. I mean, wrestling is just such a, a a a weird world because no matter how close you are to it, like there's always something that oh I didn't even realize that. Like you were, we were both at the uh, at the show in Rawway where I made my pro wrestling debut. You did, and oh, it hell was, of a choke slam. Thank you very much. But it was like this little thing where, like, before the show, they were like, "Okay, do you want to practice putting him over the top rope?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess you just put him over." And they're like, "No, no, 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 <laughs> you got to go your hands like this, like you got to throw." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> like it's like little things that wouldn't occur to you that make all the difference in what you're watching." The little things are the big things, and that's the thing that um, a lot of people don't 
understand right away. It, it, sometimes it takes a while to really right. get that. And as somebody that's watched for like 30 years, like I'd be like, no, dude, guys, I mean, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I've seen I, every Royal Rumble there I've is. I got this. <laughs> and it's like, no, you don't, dude. <laughs> no, you don't at all. You just talk to anybody. Oh, that. So you get your tryout. Mm-hmm. And are they like, yep, we like you. You're in or? Um, so the first day, I mean, the whole three days was, pr- I've said it before. I'll always say it was probably the, the hardest three days of my life. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the first day, Steve Kern pulled me aside. And, and if, it, any, if you've ever met Steve, he's just, he's awesome. He's so entertaining. He's just a character. Which, by the way, I mean, and we'll get right back to that. But, I mean, talk about you being this kind of old school character. The influences that you've had are insane. For anybody that's like a wrestling fan, I mean, just bring out Steve Kern and Matt Bourne. Yeah, absolutely. And and Taz fits right in with those guys, even though he's he's an, a younger guy. He's the same mentality, definitely, as, as those guys. Uh, and then you know William Regan, all, uh, William Regan, and having all these guys around you. Yeah, it just had to be amazing. But it's go incredible. on, you're talking to oh, Steve no, Kern, he, and he um, he goes, I want you to know. And I don't, you know, how true it is, I don't know. But he goes, every coach looked at you when you walked in, big husky kid. They all laughed at you. He goes, and you got more heart than anybody in this room because you didn't give up today because mm-hmm. there was a lot of guys dropping out. And that kind of, like, helped me get to the next day. Yes. And I said, all right, yeah. Like, Just that they're recognizing it. your heart. Yeah. Yeah. I said, all right, I got this. And it helped, too, because there were guys there that had still kept in touch with Taz, even though he wasn't working there. And they had reached out and asked about me and. Matt Bourne had called a couple guys on my behalf just because that's the kind of guy he was. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they could all speak for me, but it would come down to me. And I knew I just had to just keep going. Right. Yeah, they can speak to you. They can speak for you enough to get you a look. And then once the eyes are on you, it doesn't really matter what anybody else's opinion of you is. Right. I mean, because there's, so th- there's so many people where you can be someone's best friend and they right. can speak for you. But you're not that good. If, you absolutely, if you're terrible and you blow up and yeah. you quit. Yeah. Well, what are we going to yeah, do with let's, you? <laughs> let's, let's hire that guy. Right, because you know? we like you. No, it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So what, when, you, when, when you're there, and you were on the Indies for how long before you were signed? Uh, I want to say seven and a half years. So you've worked seven and a half years. Then you're in, uh, you get signed, and then you make it onto the NXT roster. And you're still, like, the whole time you're there, you're just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Mm-hmm. When you see guys go through the tough enough process, like when you see ZZ, you know, speaking of like a husky mm-hmm. kid get hired, and he is the kid who's blowing up and yeah. and doing all this. Like, is that a frustrating thing for somebody like you that has now been doing it ten years? It is, but at the same time, for the sake of the brand, as a guy that's been around and a guy at that point too had a decent amount of TV exposure. I mean, probably a year and a half at that point. Yeah, you know, it's your responsibility as a guy that's been there to instead of just oh god, this guy. You got You just have to suck it up, even if you don't agree with it. And you got to bring him up, and you have to try to catch him up to speed to make the whole business better. Yeah, which is what you were saying to what's his name, the tough enough winner. Yeah, what's his name again? Josh. Right, Josh on Twitter mm-hmm. when he, I mean, talk about your all time stupid tweets. Yeah, when he Josh. calls the social outcast jobbers. Yeah, it's just stupidity and immaturity. But he doesn't know any better. I get it. Yeah, but it was dumb and. It was just disrespectful. But that's exactly what you said to him. Like, the whole purpose of this is just that we're all the one. It's one thing for everybody else on Twitter to say whatever they're going to say. But the fact that we're all brothers is we're the ones that are trying to just lift everybody up to make the business bigger. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, obviously there's a big investment in that kind of guy. Yeah. And the whole point is if he gets the opportunity to go to the main roster, and I, you know, main roster, I know there's been like a 
thing about throwing that around and it it because nxt has grown to the point where it's the raw roster smackdown roster nxt roster i mean there there is kind of a nxt main roster to try yes. to get to before you get to Absolutely. raw or smackdown yeah but to go to that raw roster let's say and, and he gets the opportunity to go and they want to do something with him well if you look at the roster there's certain guys that are going to be the ones that get him elevated right so why, right why would you disrespect those guys right Right, and that was kind of the mindset of having to explain that to him, and um, you know, he got it. He understands that he that he, he got it. it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's hard to not understand at that point when you get crushed. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and um, he does work hard. I've seen him. Do, I know I've, I've been in class with him. Right, and he's going to be fine. I think. You know, Were you just, surprised that he? Like, uh, yeah, I was. that was out of character yeah. for him. Yeah. Do you, is it recoverable? I mean, I, I don't know enough about locker room. I think know. So. I think he'll be fine. I think as long as he just keeps his mouth shut, works hard, and and shows people, hey, I want to be here. Yeah, this is this is my passion now. This is what I want to do. Then I think he'll be fine. Is that the type of thing where it's like, okay, first you'll have to prove to the people around you? Because say he does get called up to Raw in two years, even if everybody in Orlando is cool with him. You know, what if Kevin Owens, who tweeted him as well, remembers? Oh, that's that guy from Twitter. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And now does he have to go through the process again of trying to make sure everybody knows that he's cool? I'm not sure because I'm, I'm, I'm I was never up there. Right. So I can't say, you know, how it's going to – I'm sure it's not going to be easy, mm-hmm. but it's not easy for anybody. Right. And that's the whole point of the performance center and, and the tough days and everything that we'd go through. It's it's The whole industry as a whole is not an easy thing, and that's why not everybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the one downfall of the tough enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great concept and obviously the show draws ratings and stuff like that and, yeah. and revenue, but it's tough for those guys cuz they have to learn very quick what kind of world they're in. Right. Right. And they, but do, for the most part do they come in or even like the the guys like the the Sabatellis of the world that come in from the NFL that don't have wrestling experience but not not to say they have egos in a bad way, because part of training for a professional sport is that you have to have an ego big enough that you're going to push yourself forward. You're presenting yourself, sure. and you're you have to convince yourself you're a winner in order to win. Especially a guy like that is a second round draft pick. He played at the highest level, right? You know exactly. Played it's, out his rookie contract, got another contract. Like that's he survived that Shark Tank. And and when people like that, do they generally though are they able to come in and look at a guy like you and be like, oh, I. I should just be quiet and learn from him or do you end up in, there was never really anybody that came in with that kind of attitude. Like I know what I'm doing. Right. You know, it was just, you come there to learn. And I I always said that like, if I had no, I, you know, I have no experience playing water polo. Right. I know nothing about it. Right. But if a minor league water polo team say, Hey, we're going to give you a decent living Mm -hmm. and train you to play water polo. Mm -hmm. And I agree to do it. Well, then I'm going to find out, okay, how do I play water polo? What do I need to do? Who are my coaches? Who are the guys on my team? And I'm just going to try to soak up as much as I can before I walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah, because it goes back to what we were saying before. I would imagine even if you come in to the Performance Center with not a lot of experience thinking, you know, well, I know wrestling and it's it's fake fighting and I know how to do it. I would think that within 15 minutes, 10, five minutes of being in a ring with guys that have done it for years, you very quickly realize that you have no idea. No, absolutely. What you're doing 100%. and it's time to learn. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Was it difficult for you? Did you have to convince people of the Bull Dempsey character or did they see that in you kind of right away? Um, I think it was seen, especially because all those coaches are at your tryout. Right. So they're the ones watching because they're the ones going to have to work with you every day. Mm-hmm. So 
they see what you put out there. Right. And, you know, we did matches at the tryout and everything. And so they saw what I was presenting to them. Mm-hmm. And then does it get, is it difficult? Because that's what I was thinking. Like, I'd see a guy like Baron Corbin come in mm-hmm. and kind of go through a period where he was tearing through the roster. Is it difficult, even though you guys ended up playing a thing where you were both doing that? Do you look at that going like, oh, well, if he's tearing through the roster real quick, how am I supposed to tear through the roster real quick? Um, I mean, there's always that professional competition. Yeah. But at the same time, it's that's who they're going with. So it's just, it's all a cycle. So right. You, have to, you, know, you realize your spot, you know, on the card. And everybody's always going to want more. Even the top guys, you want more. You want more. You just It's a professional competition. Right. But as a whole, you understand this is where the company's going. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm earning my living. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to make it better? What can I do to make it the best thing it can be so that they get what they want? And do you have to get into that mindset where it's like, okay, like regardless of whatever else is going on on this show, I have these four minutes. I need to take full advantage of my four minutes and fully focus on that. Yeah, and it, yeah. And, it, and do the right business being asked of you. Right, 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 you know? and and realize that it's a whole. It, you're a part of a big show, which is again part of the just elevate the business, elevate the business, elevate the business, exactly. and it'll be good for everybody. Yeah, and that was how I got noticed. Was, right, it was the, I had a match with Mojo Raleigh that was designed for him, uh-huh. and just from beating the hell out of him, pretty much uh-huh. opened some eyes. Yeah, and that was when it, it, it was. Hey, uh, Hunter wants to see you, and I, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. Had you met with Hunter at all before that? Just shaking his hand and seeing yeah. him around. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't think he knew who I was. Well, obviously he did because, you know, he's in charge of hiring. Or he knows everybody that walks in there. It's but do you think, like, I don't know how aware Hunter is of me? Yeah. Just because there's no day-to-day and conversations. So yeah. And he's got so much on his plate. Right. So, of course, it's like, you know, all right, I'm lost in the shuffle. Here. Right. I got to do something to get noticed. And he noticed me. And then what's that, what's that, what's that meeting like? It was, it, he, it was just one of those things again where I'm like, oh, no. oh I screwed up. <laughs> I did something wrong. I'm out of here. Right. And then he got up. He took his headset off. He said, hey, man, that was great. We're going to try to get something rolling with you. And then I sat out, you know, the next few months of TV tapings. And then before I knew it, I'm getting pulled in the office. Like, you're starting tomorrow. We're going to get music together. We got to get this together. I'm going, Okay. When you're, <laughs> when you're sitting out for a few months, do you realize this is for the better because it's – Yeah, especially gonna, when it comes it, from the head guy. Like, you, you know, you have to trust that what's being said to you is the truth, and I have no reason to believe otherwise. So right. Of course, yeah. Because okay. in hindsight, I could see where it's like that is – of course that was the right thing to do because you go as this like, oh, yeah, there's Bull Dempsey as opposed to – no, it's Bull. Bull, it's yeah. this guy. Uh, but I, I know for me – as it was happening, I'd just be having mini panic attacks all the time going like, I hope they remember. I hope Triple H remembers that he said I was good. Remember, should I remind him that he said I was good? <laughs> no, I, and you know, maybe there is always that little voice, but I never, it never crossed You just my have mind to push like forward. That. Yeah, because I, I knew like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're headed. I was on all the live events. I was, it was being designed to get me ready for when that call did come. Of when I he see. was starting tomorrow. I see. So I see. So you're doing I the character. sitting on the sidelines completely just on television. Right. But you're, 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 and that's kind of like the old school way that they used to do it when it was like, you know, on the main roster, they would do a month's worth of WWF superstars mm-hmm. in one shot and then just try stuff out at the house shows. Yeah. 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 Um, so how did it, how did it evolve into a, a comedy thing as it was at the end? Um, I think that just with Kevin Owens coming in uh-huh. and the buzz that he had. Mm-hmm. And the tear that they were going to put him on. Mm-hmm. And then plus, uh, I had just finished up the program with Corbin. Right. He was being elevated. Right. And it was one of those things, I think, where I had done my job. I was a locker room guy. It was, I, everything was by the book. And I, you know, it was one of those things where I was well-liked. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's find something for him. And everybody had kind of known that I'd like done some comedy stuff on the indies. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far up that knowledge went. Right. But it was one of those things of like, hey, this is where we're going to go with you if you're cool with it. And, you know, yeah, my check's clear. And of course, I'm cool with it. <laughs> right. Guys, I'm going yeah. to give it my all. Because yeah. that, what, you can either sit there and go, oh, man, they want me to do this thing. Oh, God, this is stupid. Or you just go, cool, and you dive right in. Right. And you make, yeah, because I remember the first time, I guess I didn't realize it was happening. And maybe I don't know if it had been on TV yet or not, but I went to the first road trip shows, the Philly show, mm-hmm. when it was like you you took a lap around the ring and then you, you mm-hmm. act like you had a stitch <laughs> and like you were like catching your breath. And I was like, oh, that's like I like that. And then, you know, you were, you were trying to get a cheesesteak and doing mm-hmm. that whole thing. And I was like this. And the crowd like just immediately responded. I, I think it's so much easier to make that transition, too. Yeah. When you have this built-in thing of here's this ass kicker. Right. And then all of a sudden when you go completely out of the ballpark of where you were. Right. And you give something completely different, it makes people go, whoa, what is this? Right. Like, what, like it's just a curveball. Uh-huh. It's, it's cool. Yeah. And it makes people just sit back and then they're enjoying it. And they're like, wait, what is happening here? Do you feel like they went – because it, it almost felt like they started it and then they were like, ah, I don't know. And then they ended up not doing that much and, and giving you your release. Did you feel like – why aren't we going as far as we a little can bit? With this? Yeah, because I I knew what we did on those live events. Yes, and the reactions it was getting everywhere we went on the road shows, even in Florida, everywhere it was getting a reaction. It was pretty much making chicken salad out of chicken shit, is the old expression. Totally. Right? And um, yeah, I don't know. There was frustration on my end because I wanted it to be as good as it could be. Yeah, and I heard the reactions, so I was I'm sitting there going, okay, why? I mean, that's what sold it for me. Yeah, it was seeing it work on the Philly show. As well as it did. Yeah. And I think, too, having the debut in Brooklyn, in Barclays Center, hometown. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was great. And then I really think I hit my stride in, in the UK on that tour. Yeah. And then, it I don't know, it just, I don't want to say it fell apart because I was still getting the reactions. Right. So I don't know where the decision came from. I mean, do you think it's and, one of those things where they're just like, we have this vision of you and we just can't be sold on another vision of it? I don't know if it's that. I mean, it could be that. It could be, you know, there's all these other guys coming in now. Mm-hmm. So it's just the cycle all over again. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, go do your thing and we'll revisit down the line. Right. Which was pretty much the talk that I had. was we'll, When they gave you your release. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Go re, you know, we'll revisit, you know, no, no specific time frame, but just go do your thing. Have fun. Go have some life experiences. Yeah. You know, have a blast. Keep in touch and we'll see where things go. Were you supp- so, you know, it, and what can you say to that? But thank you, because here's an opportunity that was given to me that I felt that I took full advantage of. Yeah. Walked out better, way better than I walked in. Yeah. And now here I am. Right. And you're coming because you do. I mean, it's not like it's just like, well, you're fired and now you're like, oh, I have to go back to making 15 bucks a night <laughs> on the thing because you come out now. And I was talking to you about it in Jersey mm-hmm. where it's like immediately you come out and you're going back to places, but it's not like you're going back to places in the same spot. Like you're now this headline guy that's been on TV and has spent the last couple of years building up all this credibility. And it's nice that you got to be an ass kicker on television because then that translates right to like, Oh yeah, he's going to kick someone's ass here in front of me. This is great. Definitely. Um, do you, cause, cause this is where I, and I think I, I told you, but I was like, I, I immediately, as I saw the, uh, bull fit thing happening i was like this needs like infomercials this is like playboy buddy rose blow away diet stuff like this is 
And I guess it was just like, wow, we're not going to do that. Well, I think there was some issues too with uh, with using food because every time we did, because mm-hmm. I, I really felt that the money was with me and Regal mm-hmm. because the vignettes just that's what got the most explosion social media wise. Totally, just, you know, even with the guys in the locker room that would watch it, and I get text messages during the show like. That was awesome. And it becomes these little, like, 30-second videos you can throw up on Twitter and YouTube yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and, you know, and he was just so easy to do stuff with, and he's down for everything, and it made me want to do even more. Like, oh, let's go, let's push the envelope with this, and let's do this kind of, you know, with, with the food and all that. Yeah. And I started getting some backlash on social media. It was like, oh, they're fat-shaming him or they're body-shaming him. And I'm rolling my eyes, like, come on. Yeah. And, I, you know, I... It was never said to me, but I always kind of had that feeling because then all of a sudden the word came down of like, hey, well, maybe we'll revisit it down the line, but no more food. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I, I talked to Charlotte on here and asked her about them bringing up her brother in a storyline like Paige did. And she didn't come out and say that she was like that the fact that the fans backlash hurt her and the story that was being told. But that's what it felt like to me. That's what I mean. It felt like that's how she felt. And I'm speaking for her. She didn't say that. But that's it's the same thing where it's like, don't try to like we don't we're characters. We don't need white knights on Twitter that are ruining things. Like, let me let me be that guy. And it's funny. And we laugh and I'm becoming a bigger star for it. Yeah. And, you know, when I would do meet and greets on the live events and, you know, there'd be a guy come up to me and like, hey, man, I lost 20 pounds. Like, Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're an inspiration. Like little kids come up to me like. It was cool. Because at the end of the day, like as much if, if just because you're eating a bag of Doritos instead of concentrating on what William Regal is telling you, you're still going into the ring and having an active match, you right. know? Right. And, 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 and there's still these moments where it's like, oh, wait, he's a bigger guy. He likes junk food like me. And he can. And that was kind of the direction you know, when, when I would talk to Hunter. It was, you know, you're going to come back and we're going to do this big reveal, but you're going to look exactly the same. <laughs> and I, I went, I was like, that's awesome. Let's yeah, that's right. Totally down for it. Let's do yeah. it. And. The whole premise was you're not built for show. You're built for go. Right. Right. And I could still keep up and do stuff with guys, even though I didn't look like the prototypical superstar What or what people claim to be is the WWE look. Sure. Know? And I, it was awesome because I got that reaction from the fans. And to have that, it's like, all right, cool. They're getting with this. And right. It's, and it's on a level of more than just, hey, we like this guy. We're going to cheer for him. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, I, I lost 20 pounds. Look, I lost. this is what I used to look like. I was pulling up pictures on their phone and this and that. And uh, little kids bring me bags of Doritos and stuff. It just <laughs> It was fun. And right. When that backlash started happening with all that, I think that was when, because of the world we live in and how quick people are to jump on things, you have to be, as a, as a publicly traded company, you have to step yeah. back and go, Okay, let's before the, before this becomes a wildfire, let's just put it out. And that's what happens on social media too. The amount of social media activism that just happens, and a hashtag starts, and all of a sudden advertisers are getting contacted, and it's like, come on, come on, <laughs> like you're, you're screwing it up for the company that you watch, right? And like they're screwing it up for you, the guys that are performing that you're trying to not allow anybody to humiliate. It's like you're not being just humiliated. Get, get lost in it and enjoy it for what it is. Right. Let it be a, a, like a human cartoon or yeah. whatever. Like it's just. It's a show. So were you surprised when you got your release? Yeah, totally. You were? Like, out of the blue? Yeah. Huh. At least in my eyes. I, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's time I can look back and maybe try to pinpoint where I could see the writing on the wall, but to me there was none. Right. And even, you know, in talking to some of the coaches, everybody I talked to was like, this came out of left field. We had no idea. Wow. So why? I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't care because uh-huh. I have to look forward. Yeah. I have to put it behind me. Yeah. And 
I have to stick it to them in a professional, respectful way, obviously. Of course. It's just that it's that competitive nature. It goes back to that same thing. It's just that competitive nature of, okay, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. I need to go be a bigger star than I even was in NXT. Right. And make you guys be like, that's the guy we need. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew, too, because of the conversation that I had that I talked about um, when I was let go, that the door may be open down the line. Right. Because I know what I brought as far as professionalism, work ethic, attitude in the locker room, helping younger guys, and and just showing up every day and doing my job and doing it the best I could and making full use of that facility, doing the promo, going in the, the, the mirror room and cutting promos and going in the voiceover room with Tom Phillips and doing commentary. Right. Using the green screen stuff. You talking to coaches, asking for extra time, helping the young guys, trying to do everything I could just to make that entire place better because that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And that came through. And well, the fact that the, the fact that people know that is obviously going to help you. Yeah, definitely. Going forward, I would think. And I've always kind of had a knack for that with helping guys out if they needed it and stuff and I just to be put in a position where I could do it was right. a cool feeling because it just felt that I was trusted to do stuff and and have matches with guys that Maybe hadn't had a match before. That was their first match. Right, right, know. right. How did you're wearing your Dusty Rhodes shirt? Yes. How was uh, how was promo class with Dusty? The my favorite part of every week. It was. Yeah, it was. Is that one of the more valuable things that you come out of this whole experience with? Yeah, I did a Q and A on Twitter like a few weeks ago, and one of the questions was, "What was your favorite part of NXT?" And I wrote Dusty Rhodes. That was it. Yeah, and there's times where like during that week. It's hectic and it's grueling and you just hate it there you, and you got to get out of that mindset. And he was the guy that got everybody out of that mindset because it was almost like you showed up and it was a sanctuary. Right. And he didn't want you to, you know, do this scripted thing. He just wanted you to go up in front of a camera, be yourself. Right. And just let it rip. Just go. How long does promo class last? It depends because sometimes he'd get on these tangents and he'd tell these ridiculous stories. And <laughs> yeah. Go, There's no way that's true. Like, this never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but there was always... There was always more to it, uh-huh. and maybe a couple weeks or a couple months down the line, like a, something would happen, unrelated, but it would bring you back to like, oh, so that's what he was trying to teach me with that. Okay, now I get it. Right, there was a moral to that story, even though it was a fabrication. Yeah. Or like, sometimes he's just trying to get a, he was just getting a kick out of well, it. Well, like, what kind of stories people. is he telling that are obviously just made up? These ridiculous things of how oh, there was one where he was driving on the road and blasting Johnny Cash, and he went off the road into like this cornfield. And there were all these farmers out there, but it was three in the morning. I'm like, nobody's <laughs> in a cornfield at three in the morning. And you drove like 300 yards into it and didn't kill anybody right. or run anybody over that you know of. And then got out of the car, got on the hood and got, you know, calmed the situation down <laughs> by saying, you will always remember the night the American dream drove through your cornfield <laughs> and then got in his car and drove away. And we would all sit there and we'd all laugh hysterically and then look at each other like, there's, there's no way. It didn't that. happen. But it was just he was just alleviating the situation because he knew right. how tough it was. He knew right. it was hard and it's supposed to be hard, like I said. But he knew at the same time, as hard as it is, there has to be that little bit of pressure just released a little bit. Right. Like this is where we remember that wrestling's fun. Yeah. And 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 you know. And you have the ability to create and do whatever you want. And right. That's what makes it so fun. That's what makes it the greatest. Thing, you know? And you're really all supposed to. The only reason anybody's ever supposed to be a wrestler, I mean, it's a, it's a horrendous business. The only reason anybody's supposed to be anywhere near it is because they love it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's kind of that reminder of like, oh yeah, for, for whatever reason, God put a thing in my brain 
where is I, what I'm going to do. Where I love pro wrestling. I'm going to live out of a, live out of a car, live out of a bag, yeah. and travel the world. Yeah. But I don't want to be behind a desk. Right. I did it. I, right. I scrubbed toilets. I did every like just horrible job you can imagine, and I mm-hmm. don't want to do it. Right. Right. I want to be a wrestler. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you can't get that bummed out about not being a part of NXT because you're like, I used to have to have a day job and do this on the weekends and right. try to like prove to somebody that I was worth five bucks or whatever. Yeah, and like, totally. It's a totally different world regardless of yeah. where you are. And I mean, obviously, I, I'll always look back fondly of it and it sucks not being there. It does. Like I see all my friends going and having fun and doing all these road shows and selling out houses. It's cool. but And it's probably – you also probably forget the grind of – having to go into class every day because now all you see is the fun stuff. Yeah. So it's like, oh, they're having a great time, not and, realizing. And to cheap plug WrestlePro, uh-huh. to go out, first match back, there's a 1,000 people. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's something happening yeah. over here. Well, and there is. Cause, you know, yeah. I, pay atten- I, I, I always paid attention and kept up with my buddies and saw mm-hmm. what they were doing. And even just looking overall at the business, everything's up. And it's like this great time to be involved in wrestling. Yeah. And it's awesome. Everywhere is popping off and – Fans are just having fun, and wrestlers are having fun, and everybody's making some money, so it, it's a great time. And I'll tell you why, if if Bull is wrestling in your area, you should see him. New gear. Yeah. New gear. Yes. Slick gear, too. Fur, everything. Thank you. It's good. I like coming. it. I like it. Uh, so, do you have, what are your, what are your goals now? Do you, when you have that, okay, when you leave that meeting, obviously, I guess, even more proof that it was out of the blue. It's like you didn't even have your name until you and Taz talked about doing the yeah. show. So it's like you had no plan for this to happen. No, none. Do you now have to sit there and kind of reassess all your goals and the way you look at pro wrestling and the whole thing of like, okay, now now where do I see this going? Yes and no because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like flying by the seat of my pants on this one. Yeah. You know, and but I knew. Is this the first time in wrestling that you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants completely? No, nah, probably not. I don't know. I can't really pinpoint it. But, but yeah, yeah, as far as, like, what do I do next? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because now, like, I knew when I left that building, I'm, I said to myself, okay, uh, I'm going to get a pro wrestling tease store. That's what everybody's doing now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? That's the hot thing. And then uh, I need to tweet something because then everybody will put it online and then people will book me. I need to set up an email. Okay? Yes. And that, was again, goes back to not sitting there and sulking and going, man, why did this happen? And sitting around for a week not doing anything. And do you, have to have a, go. do you have to have a conversation in that meeting of like, okay, we're releasing you. Do you immediately have to say, okay, like, can I work right away? Do I have to wait six weeks? Like, or do they Well, it was just laid clear? out, you know, that there was a no-compete clause for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then after that, free to do what you want. So right. uh, that was just it. I, you know, I knew when I could start taking bookings mm-hmm. and doing stuff. and. That was it. I was just preparing for that. And this past weekend was obviously the first one. And now all the stuff coming up. And then, you know, whatever the next step is as far as on a bigger scale. Yeah. I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I'll tell you. And I complimented you at the show. You did a real cool. You, you missed the bonsai off the top. Mm-hmm. But then rolled through it. Yeah. Like you came off the top. And then instead of just, you know, landing on your ass. You lean forward and did a forward roll diagonal across the ring, mm-hmm. and it was like whoa! Like that was one of those <laughs> things where it was like, there he is! Like it was, it was very, very cool to see. And I'm sure that like that's one thing that's got to be nice about being on the indies now is that you do have some time where you still get to have that NXT rub and NXT fame, but you get to really go in and do whatever you want. Well, definitely. And you know, there was times. You know, fans are only going to see 
most fans are just going to see what's out there on the TV show. Right. And so if you have four or five minutes, they're just going to see what you want. And that, you know, obviously, again, goes back to doing the right thing business-wise is mm-hmm. what do we need to portray here? Right. So you have to go and do what needs to be portrayed so that, and that's what they see. But then when they pay for a ticket to a live event, you get a little more freedom there. But again, it's it all goes back to that professional competition. And it's like, I always wanted to be in the ring with guys like Finn and guys like Sami Zayn yes. and Apollo Crews because those were the guys that, and they still are, are in those top spots. And I know I can hang and, and, and deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that confidence in, in, what, in my abilities. I just wanted to do it. Right. And show it to everybody. Yeah. Let everybody know. And now I kind of have the chance to do that. Maybe not on that scale, obviously, but. But there's still guys like, what are, who are the guys that you see like working now in the indies that you want to take this opportunity to. I can't even narrow it down. I just have to look at every match that I, that I get as. Here we go. Let's I didn't go. have this opportunity before. Yeah. Lace them up. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And are you thinking Japan is a possibility? I would love to. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just whatever's out just, there. Yeah. Whatever's there. And then, you know. If it's the right opportunity and it, present, it presents itself, then let's go. Right. Let's do it. Is it who, were you – when you were in NXT, were you looking at, like, when am I going to get to the main roster? When am I going to get to the main roster? Or was there a thing of, like, I'm okay at NXT for the moment? Um, I think you always have to look at the big picture. Yeah. And obviously, like, yeah, I, I want to go there. I want to go there. But I, I realized quickly that it's, it's really out of my control. Yeah. It, does it does it scare you when you're in NXT to watch guys who don't get that big thing when they get to the main roster? Like if you go – if you're sitting in NXT and you're like, oh, Tyler finally made it to the main roster, and then you see, but, oh, they're not really – he's on main event. He's not really doing anything. Is that a scary thing for you guys or is it like he's up there? That's the goal. Yeah, he did it. He's up there. Yeah. He's young. Right. They know how talented he is. Right. His time's going to come. Right. You know, but now, like, he's able to earn a living. And then we, and we yes. all earned livings. And that was the cool thing, too, was because of the size of the brand, you know, and, and how big it wasn't just developmental and making, you know, not a lot of money during the week. You know, I was able to do some things on the side to set myself up that I probably wouldn't have been able to do, you know, four or five years prior to. Mm-hmm. And just obviously you get to do that on a bigger scale up there. But um, like I said, he, you know, he's, he's young and he's so talented. Mm-hmm. And they know how talented he is because he was always put in that trusted position on NXT. Yeah, absolutely. So his time will come. Right. It's right? just being up there is that proverbial land of opportunity. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. And look, you know, even now there's so many injuries and stuff like that. There's there'll be time for guys to step up and take it. Right. And when he when he gets his chance, he's gonna knock it out of the park because he he's that good. Well, where can people uh, get all their information about you and where they can see you and get your shirts and the whole deal? Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash bull. And on Twitter and Instagram at Bull Dempsey WWE. Mm-hmm. That will be changing shortly, but I still got some TV time, so I gotta stretch it out. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, so you, your episodes haven't finished airing? Uh, no, WrestleMania weekend, I think. It's the and, last one. Oh, so you can't change your Twitter name because they do the thing on the well, Chiron? Well, the lower or? third on the yeah, yeah. On, you know. So I don't, you know, if somebody goes to look that up and it doesn't exist anymore, I don't want to. Smart. Yeah, That's smart. I mean, those are those, those are those little things, little things that you have to be aware of. And also, don't they like? Is it? tough to do you not get to keep your verification check if you change or something i don't um, know i think i can get helped out with that so i'm not worried about it good but, good all right well uh, check. i hope not yeah really check uh check the twitter to get all the bulls dates uh and i mean congratulations i guess on everything 
Thank going you. forward. Good luck with everything. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun time for you. And for the record, you know this and I know this, but we've been trying to do this while you were in NXT. This wasn't yes. like, a, like, oh, okay, now now Bull's out of NXT. I'm going to get all the dirt. Yeah, it was like no. we were, we've been trying to set this up for yeah. a year already. Probably so. a year, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad we finally got it done, man. Me too, man. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. For sure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. That was Bull Dempsey here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I I love getting to talk to Bull Dempsey. And again, as we said, that wasn't something that I was like, oh, let me get the first interview with Bull Dempsey after his release. That was like we had been trying. And I know the internet is convinced that I have all these amazing WWE ties. But even when you have a nice working relationship, you still have to deal with publicists and timing. And and the NXT guys are extraordinarily busy. Like, their schedule is insane. I don't even think... I don't think Bull uh, got really out how insane their schedule is in terms of training days and live shows and stuff. Like, they work the NXT guys to the bone, I guess, because... That's part of the training. They want to train them for how hard the road is going to be. Um, before we get in to the state of wrestling and all that, I wanted to bring in Katie Lindahl early. Katie, wow. That's right. Christmas because, come early. That's right, for everybody out there. Because there's so much going on in wrestling right now. I mean, there's just a ton of wrestling stuff that broke over the over the week. So I, I thought we should get out of the way. Yeah. The most important event that happened. Before we actually do the state of wrestling. Right. Because this is, this is about wrestling. It's not about Sam Roberts. Well, Although both of those things are in the title. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, Katie, you got to witness my professional wrestling debut. I have never been so nervous for you, Sam. Over the it weekend. was one of the most exciting debuts in the history of wrestling. You find that. It was explosive, mm-hmm. unbelievable, mm-hmm. and just... Insane. Right. Well, you can. What happened was. Tell me. Let's lay out the story. Okay. So I'm going to have to out you a little bit because Sam's never wrestled. I mean, I know it's Well, tough when you to... were like little in like high school or whatever, like middle school, you. Right. And you were bad then. Right. Horrible. It's tough to believe looking at that botched choke slam that I've never wrestled before. But. But, but the, 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 the same person. Yes. Heading into who, who decides to throw himself into one, the debut of Russell Pro. Right. Which was, was incredible and Russell really Pro's well produced. debut show. You heard Pat Buck on here a couple weeks ago talking about Russell Pro. It was their debut show, 35-man Battle Royale Rumble. And I came in with one goal in mind, to win. Always. To win the whole thing. And I'm like, Sam. So a few – he told me he was entering this, and I was like a few weeks went by. And, and I, I would have like, I would have mentioned on the podcast, but I was a surprise entrant. Which didn't stop Katie from Instagramming it, but I was. Uh, oh my bad, dude! I was that uh, was a surprise entrance. That's I didn't why, even know I ruined it to date. That's why. <laughs> that's that's Sorry. why we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Oh. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. My really, bad. This one's, on this one's on me. This one's on me. This one's on me. So here's the deal: we're all waiting for Sam to come out, i.e., die. Mm-hmm. And but the wait, I gotta back up a second because you didn't even like learn how to wrestle. I'm like, dude, don't you have that show coming up? And you're like, yeah, it's tomorrow. And I'm like, well, when are you going to learn how to wrestle? And you're like, I'm going to like maybe go in an hour early. Right. Well, I figured who my, does that? My brute strength would take me through, and uh, professional wrestler Finn Balor had been giving me tips anyway. So I figured I had oh, okay. all the knowledge. Okay. That I, I don't think it was the demon. I had all the knowledge that I needed going in, and I would just go in Plenty. and just uh, shoot, basically, just go in, shoot from the hip. And muscle my way through everybody. I, my plan was, 
if the guys didn't play ball, I would break the arm of the first guy I saw <laughs> and send a message to the rest of the locker room. That's right. I'm not there to take bumps. I'm not there to sell. No. I'm there to win matches. That's you know? it. I have a podcast after all. Not here to clean up the ring afterwards, which also didn't happen. He just watched everybody no, do it. I'm not breaking down the ring, okay? We know who this man is. Right. But can we go through the emotion of what happened? Because when your music hit, I don't think I've ever been so... It, w- it was more than any wrestler in all my years of in like, like uh, uh, live events. I've never been more excited. Really? Yeah, I was really intense. That's why you're so amazing. Yeah, I'm like totally a hype girl through and through. But you your music see, kicks on. And by I'm the way, like, you can see the video if you want to catch up on all this. Katie uh, live Facebook videoed the whole thing. So if you go to Katie Linendahl on Facebook, you can watch the whole thing with Katie. It's a disaster, people. You've got to watch it. I mean, it was commentary. great. Yeah, well, I tried great. to maintain composure while filming it. You did? Not well. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you failed. I failed miserably. So, so go through what happens, though. So you come out, well, they use, the music hits. And it's the music from the podcast with right. the Fink's voice and everything on it. Oh, my gosh. And I, I, I slammed through the curtain and I yelled yeah. out the phrase, it's prime time. <laughs> and I guess, you And know, mind you, wait, we should back up because Joey Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for those of you that saw it online, you know Joey Ryan eliminated, I think it was like 11 or 12 guys out of a battle royal over the weekend with his penis. Uh, it was interesting. I my spot was the spot that followed that. It was that sort of like, well, we can't get back to real wrestling after that ridiculous thing. So let's throw Sam in there, and then people will be so hungry for real wrestling that we'll be okay. But it also what just went down was hard to follow up. Yes. And B that Mm -hmm. was a B. You really have to wrestle at this point because there's two people in the ring. One of them being yourself. Exactly. That's a great point. So Joey Ryan had cleared out the ring. Next guy comes in, Nikos Rikos comes in. I think actually Jess, your wife, made that point. She's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because I also didn't smarten you guys up to what I was going to do. No, we didn't want to know what was happening. No, no, and I wouldn't have anyway because I don't break kayfabe. No, I don't even know what you're talking about. But, um, yeah, so Nikos Rikos, who's this Greek guy over there at PWS, I mean, uh, uh, Russell Pro, excuse me. He's been rude to me on Twitter, but that's a sidebar. He's a heel. He told his hype girl to zip it. He's a heel. I'm not dumb. And he was pissed. So he went in and he eliminated Joey Ryan and got his heat. Yep. And then, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and I came out, and I guess there was there was a Sam Roberts. I got a little reaction. You got a big reaction, and a Sam chant started. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I didn't even have to start the Sam chant. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, what is going to go down? Right again, because I didn't tell you guys, and I did. You notice I got in the ring like a like a big boy. I went through the middle rope, not the bottom rope. Oh, when I was when I when I got in the ring in earlier in the afternoon, I went in through the bottom rope. That would have been weak sauce. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Put the leg up and like a no. big boy. Yeah, went through the middle rope and pointed right at Nico's Ricos and put my fists up and I was ready to go. And he says, "How come I've never been on your podcast?" Yeah. Real loud. Like right. everybody in the arena could hear it. Right. And then I was like. It's packed house. I go. There's like a thousand people in the audience. Most of them to see me, I'm sure. Not yep. Bull Dempsey. Yep. And uh, I go, because I don't know who you are. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Everyone, woo. Woo, that's hilarious. And then, I mean, it pissed him off. Comes in for the clothesline. I ducked the clothesline. Yes. Which. It was prob- pretty smooth, actually. What did you guys think when I ducked the clothesline? I was like, oh, this is actually looks pretty good. Like, this is happening. But but at the same time, everything was, like, f- slowed down to, like, 10 frames per second it because did. I was nervous for you. And so, the, like, time, space kind of stopped. Did you notice when I ducked the clothesline, 
I had the arm back, and I was ready to do my signature move. That's true. I So he swings around after I duck the clothesline, and yeah. boom, there it is, right on his neck. Yep. The choke is locked in. So what are you guys thinking when the, what are you thinking when the choke is There's locked no in? There's no way you're going to lift this guy. Right, right. And what do I do? I rotate him. I was probably a little fast on the rotation, I think. I rotated him to each of the sides of the ring. Again, I think very fast because I had a lot of energy and I hadn't done it before. Um, then, here's the problem. I forgot to swing his arm over my arm. But nobody knew that, dude. I, I know. I was beating up. myself up a bit. Could be a perfectionist about it. I hit, but I did. moment. Hit his back. It was good. Up. Jacked and, him up. And let me tell you something. Nikos Rigos took that bump. I mean, I owe him a debt of gratitude. You do. Because he did. We were, he, we were talking about it beforehand, and he said he wanted to take the bump like the rock taking the stunner. When he just, like, hits down and lands on the back of his head and hits the ropes and just, like, he was like, that. I want to take the bump like I've never taken a bump before. Then I was kind of doing the edge thing where I was pulling my hair back and going, yeah. get up, get up, get up. And Nikos kind of stumbled to his feet because he had just been choke slammed to hell by primetime Sam Roberts. Insane. And I grabbed the back of his neck and I grabbed him by his tights. And you saw me. I launched him over the top rope. And almost launched yourself over at the same time. Well, I used all my strength. Yeah, it was pretty funny to watch you stumble back after you tossed him. I couldn't believe it. It was very funny. I couldn't believe what I had just done. What did you think when I eliminated him? Please be somebody easy next. And then what happened? A guy with a chainsaw came out. Monster's Island. The the scariest one in Monster's Island, by the way. Right, it's a giant man who dresses as Leatherface and carries a chainsaw to the ring named Giant Leather. So all we see is the Titantron light up with its Monster's Island. You're like, all right, already this isn't good. Like, it's not going to be somebody easy. Right. Then all of a sudden, like, he's not coming out, so you know he's coming from somewhere else because they typically do. But I was going, he's scared. He's not coming. He's not coming. He's scared. No one heard you say that, Sam. Everybody was just worried for your life. Well, there were. It was great. There were kids in the front row going... Leave! You gotta go! Get out of there! Get out of there! He comes boiling out with a chainsaw from the back. <laughs> yeah, from like the back of the building, like yeah. through the crowd. Through the arena, back doors. Like, no, 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 no. With a, was that a real chainsaw? Yeah. That was legit. Yeah. I was like smoking and everything. It was a real chainsaw. And we just all start yelling, run! <laughs> run, Sam! Run! You're, you're, you've already proven yourself! Run! But I really wanted to win the Battle Royal. Oh, f- again. I wanted for, the when, title shot. You know what? It's like when Brock Lesnar brought out two Axi. Right. At some point, like, you don't bring a chainsaw. You just peace out at that point. Right. You don't bring a chainsaw to, to an, a fist fight. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not or, right. Or you do. Right. Strike that and reverse it. Right. You don't bring a fist to a chainsaw fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so at that point, I was like, okay, let's do this. And then he got up on the ring apron. Yep. This guy's is huge, too. And I launched myself over the top yeah, rope. Sam just decided to completely haul himself over the top rope. Like a sack of crap right over the top <laughs> rope. I mean, To which we all cheered, and I yelled many a time, he's so smart! He is brilliant! <laughs> but he I, is so smart! I did it with all the athletic grace of an overly stuffed garbage bag. <laughs> Just throwing, because I got in in the ring before the show, and I was like, man, that top rope is kind of tall. It was And then, like, I was, like, I was in the back, and I was talking to some of the guys, and I was like, yeah, I just don't know exactly, like, this was, like, five minutes before I was going out. I was like, I just don't know exactly how I'm going to throw myself over the top rope, because I was too embarrassed to practice it before the show, because there were wrestlers standing around the ring, kind of giving me tips on how to throw and how to choke slam and do all this. So I was embarrassed to jump over the top rope in front of them, so I didn't. That is so funny. I just didn't do it. I was like, I, I figured, I was like, okay, my adrenaline will kick in, and I'll somehow get from the ring over the top rope and hit the floor. So, like, 
right before I went out, I'm talking to the guys, and he's like, you know what the easiest thing to do is? Just hook the rope with one hand and extend your other hand so that way it, it breaks your fall on the apron and you can flip over like that. And I'm oh, like, I don't think you achieved that. I'm like, I, you might as well be speaking Japanese right now. I, don't, I was like, oh, good call. And like he walked away. I was like, I don't know what that guy was talking about. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay. And I'm sitting there and all I did, I, I put my feet on the, on the bottom rope and then just kind of hurled my body over it, it. It looked a little sloppy. And then hit the ground and then just looked at the front row and went, move! <laughs> and jumped over the guardrail and ran out the front door. <laughs> Is that where you went? Because I didn't know where you went. I just ran out the front door. I went, move! And I was yelling at the audience as I ran, out of my way, and ran right out the front door. But, I mean... It, oh, that was epic. I, I have never laughed and cried so hard at this. Like, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I posted a 30-second video of just the choke slam on my Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, at Not Sam. But you can see the entire, most half the Battle Royal, really, over on uh, Katie's <laughs> Facebook page with her commentary over it, which is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then I think on the WrestlePro YouTube page they posted something. So you can see it for yourself. Awesome. Uh, it was a blast. Do we see you again? I would do it again. You I would? mean, when you least expect it. Because I'm going to tell you something. I came into that Rumble with one goal, to get a title shot. Yeah. And I know at the next show there's going to be a fatal four-way. I'm just saying. Maybe we make it a five-way. Because I did have a successful elimination and a hell of a choke slam. You did. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and it's only up from here. I want the gold. It's only up from here. We take what we want, and we want the gold. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you. Well, I won't finish that one, but oh, right. anybody who knows YouTube knows exactly where I was going. I don't want to tell you where I was going uh, because it would know. upset you. I, I but can you, see it in your face. You, uh, <laughs> poor Booker T. You, uh, you enjoyed watching it? It was so fun. And actually, I really thought Russell Pro did a great job on the production side. Like, everything was just fun, and the matches a, were yeah. good. And Russell Pro did a, uh, a great job. I mean, they did, you know, they had the theme it's music, right? It's an indie show worth going to, by the way. They had a cool video for me. And what they did was, like, they used the Japanese-style turnbuckle covers. They do all these, because, like, Pat Buck is a wrestling geek. He's just mm-hmm. a mark. You heard him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's And that those are the guys you want promoting the shows. It's, like, all these little details that guys like me, just, like, ridiculous wrestling fans, pick up on it and are like, that's what made the show so great. Like, the turnbuckle covers are Japanese-style. Like, they're the long one pad that's like a triangle that fits over the entire corner. And the referee, I mean, to me, the best part was the referees. Because the referees were wearing the old school 80s WWF blue shirts with the black bow tie. That's funny. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I mean, all those little details. Like, and and it was all of us. Because, you know, a lot of wrestlers are wrestling fans. So there was a group of us in the back. They're like, holy shit. Did Pat get the old school ref uniforms? That's amazing. That is pretty smart. Like all of us in the locker room are marking out for these referee shirts. <laughs> it was so funny. But it was a really fun show to do. And uh, You did a really good job. Oh, though. thank you. Really good. As I said, uh, Bull, Bull James now, formerly Bull Dempsey, was on the show. Uh, Colt Cabana was on the show. Kurt Hawkins was on the show. Now Brian Myers. As we said, Joey Ryan. It was, uh, it was a fun show. I, I was, was a little really late because I... I missed my ride, i.e. you, because you went an hour early. So I took a $100 Uber just to watch your performance. And that being said, I was late and I missed Tatanka as well. That's a real shame. Is that, did you see him? That's I saw him earlier in the day at an autograph convention, but I didn't see him at the show. But I also I was kind of keeping kayfabe, and I wasn't uh, coming out to hang out with that many people. Truth. I didn't want anybody thinking, oh, we haven't seen Sam yet. You know see what I that. mean? Yeah. All right, Katie, oh, let's, uh, let's jump into the state of wrestling, okay? Yeah. 
It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. For the record, Katie's headphones fell off of her head as she did that last call. So State of Wrestling, I think we should start with uh, uh, the fact that it was announced. Let's start with uh, WrestleMania 33. Yeah. Okay. WrestleMania 33, it's going to be in Orlando. I was excited to see that. How come? I don't know. I like that area for for wrestling stuff. You knew too. Because of NXT. Out of a thousand. <laughs> yeah, I went to WrestleMania 24 when it was in Orlando. Yeah, at how the was Citrus that? Bowl. I mean, WrestleMania is like I honestly could always care less what city WrestleMania is in. That's probably true. Like actually. I went to New Orleans for WrestleMania 30. And, like, I come back and people are like, oh, do you have jambalaya or whatever nonsense they have in New Orleans? And I was like, no, I ate arena food. Like, I'm going for WrestleMania. It doesn't matter where it is. Like, where was it last year when we went? Oh, yeah, Silicon Valley. Like, what difference does it make? Yeah. Oh, too bad it wasn't in L.A., right? Why? Because I would have been in a different city doing nothing but WrestleMania stuff. I don't go to WrestleMania for anything else that's going on in that city. I could care less. Totally. Um, it could be in Antarctica. But I'm just glad. I just get excited that WrestleMania 33 is announced and happening. Like, just that there's some wrestling thing going on. But the big news that came out around the same time, so you had Vince McMahon there and and The New Day was there and they did this press conference. But I feel even, I'd say much bigger news than the fact that WrestleMania 33 is going to be in Orlando is that between now and then, they announced that they're opening a brick-and-mortar real building WWE Hall of Fame and restaurant in Orlando. I don't Whoa. know if you read that. that was I like, did not. It was like a press release that came out separately from this thing. And I, I don't know. For some reason, WWE hasn't made a huge deal about it You know, as of this recording. But they're putting up... And I don't know if it's going to be... What was those? Like a blast zone? What do you, oh, like, like ESPN... No, WWE had blast zones. Well... I think it will probably be Years more ago. like I remember, I know I now know what you're talking about when they uh when they did the pay-per-views. I think it'll be more like WWE New York when the old Hard Rock Cafe here in Times Square was the WWE restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that because mm-hmm. you were living I, in probably well, I wasn't Erie. here, but I yeah. knew it was here. I went a couple times. It was so sure. much fun. So much fun. And similar yes to the ESPN zone. Right, right, right. Um so yeah, I don't I'm assuming that they're going to turn I don't know if they're turning the Hall of Fame into a themed restaurant where it's like, here's the Hall of Fame, here's the restaurant, or if they're building a restaurant and a Hall of Fame. I would think as much as you want to respect a quote-unquote Hall of Fame... In your words, it's wrestling. It's wrestling, and it's Florida. We can put... We can sell chicken fingers at the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? 100%. I would assume it's one place and that's no how you sheer, no shoes no shirt no you're dice. awesome yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. florida no shoes no shirt well had a problem home. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's florida yeah you know the land of hogan's beach no shoes no shirt not a problem <laughs> i like that i'm gonna run with it yeah i mean i'm that's what i'm really excited about i've been waiting and you know there's been a lot of plans it's no no surprise that they're building it in orlando that's become like i think because you know, the tax situation because real estate's cheap uh, and because there's a lot of people out there for theme parks. Orlando has become kind of a second home to WWE. They've got Connecticut or a third home, I guess. They got Connecticut, New York and Orlando. Um, but also, too, with NXT being out there. I mean, right. It's just growing and growing and growing. Right. And there were a lot of I know that uh, there were a lot of ideas being floated around about about what WWE was going to do for a Hall of Fame and where they're going to do something where 
Um, they made it like a theme park ride. Were they going to incorporate the performance center? Like some people were talking about the idea that you would see the Hall of Fame, do a tour of the performance center, watch a match, and that's the attraction. Like you watch, like a like the tunnel of just friends. Like you go through on like a swan. That's exactly right. But it's like. Played to like a wrestler or something. Right, right. It would be Seth Rollins' theme song playing the whole time. There you go. And then you go into a joust. Right. But again, more towards like WWE. Right, right. Exactly. It's Doink the Clown's head on each side of the That's joust. Good. Yep. That's good. Um, yeah. So I, I would, I would imagine that it's going to be a restaurant slash Hall of Fame, which would probably be the first time that's been done. I don't think there's any other. Like I don't think in Cooperstown you can get appetizers. <laughs> you know, I don't. I would go. Except like I'm starving. Don't worry. We're gonna go look at Bobo Brazil's plaque, and then we're gonna go get onion rings. So we'll be fine. As long as they have a crane machine, I'm in. I think it's great because I think, and as you guys know, who follow me on social media, I've been lucky enough. Not a lot of people get to do this, and this is again like, oh, Sam, he's in bed with WWE. But I have been to the warehouse, and for you me, know, that was one of the coolest things I thought you've done. Yeah, for me, as like like in terms of marking out, like you don't mark out any harder than going to the warehouse and seeing all these props and their collection of barber chairs and like everything you can. Where was that? It's in Connecticut, um, and like the like seeing the Punjabi prison put away, like all tied up and stuff, but all the all the bars and everything. So they keep everything. Do they auction it. What's the deal? No, no, no. They hold on to it. Not only do they keep everything, but they're actively for the last several years. Once they bought all those tape libraries, like they bought ECW, they bought WCW. When they started also buying the territory tape libraries, the world classes, the uh, AWAs, the the Mid-Souths, the Mid-Atlantics, all that stuff. um, They also started trying to buy up memorabilia. Like they've purchased personal collections from old wrestlers of like whether it's gear or contracts or pay stubs or like – Everything. Well, what's the end game? To set up this Hall of Fame, I believe. Or Hall of Fame I. What's Hall of Fame I? It's like plural. Is that like XI? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To set up this, uh, to set up finally this Hall of Fame, where it's where you go in, and not only do you see, you know, all these plaques of all these people that have been in, like Coco Beware, but you can also, you know, see like like the like the setups they have at Access. You know, when you go into the Hall of Fame section at WrestleMania Access, you go and you see, like, the gear that they wore, the title belts, boots, Brutus Beefcake scissors, you know, everything. Everything you can imagine. And I think that what they'd like to do is set up something permanent that's like you go in, it's the Hall of Fame, you see all the memorabilia. Uh, character breakfast. Char- I don't know if they're going <laughs> to... Poor Heath Slater is just sitting there doing character <laughs> breakfast every day. Like, I don't know, man. I thought Social Outcast was cool, but... Uh. Me and the Radical Mongoose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be funny if it's like you got Raw and SmackDown. Okay, now you're getting downgraded to main event and superstars. Now you're going back to NXT. Okay, you know what? We're just going to send you down to Superstar Breakfasts. <laughs> Superstar <laughs> Would you be interested in seeing that? The hall, Not the Superstar Breakfast. Hall of Fame? Like, is that up your alley, no. or you don't really like the memorabilia stuff? No. I would live in a, in a WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I'll be eating. I'd be sitting there being like, no, Katie, those are Bruce Beefcake scissors from WrestleMania I feel five. like that either does something for you or it doesn't. I mean, it does everything for me. Now, I could sit in a World War II his, historical museum and do that all day. World War II is fake. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Anything that, like, has some value and education. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we won. They got history books for that. Like you, well, here's like, the thing. You really, how long do you think you could spend in a, in a Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame? Days. Like, are you hoping this is like a two floor deal? 
Oh my gosh! I like hope a wing. I hope that they bought acres of land for this thing. I could spend days in a Hall of Fame. I would imagine it's not. You gonna want be like that a cute. moving tram? Oh, uh, if they did a a WWE Hollywood backlot tour, I would take it once a month. But like actually, it's just the parking lot. <laughs> right, right. You're the only person that's ever signed up for this. Yeah, all we have we set up the Hell in a Cell in a parking lot when we don't use it. <laughs> so cool. That's it. I would love it. He's uh, not even drinking, people. I saw they have in pieces the ring that they used for WrestleMania one. Like, I just looked at the pieces of the ring going, this... What does that do for you? I'm I sorry. I mean, I could honestly probably uh, gratify myself physically to it. <laughs> okay, that's what it does for me. <laughs> and I cleaned it up for you. It does a lot for me. It excites me in ways that no woman ever has. Honesty. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. When I go and they're like, oh, look, this is our collection of coffins. I go, what? That one's double deep, double wide. That one's got two stars and a moon on it. That one's gold. I know what all these are for. Oh, my God. When I see the one with burn marks on it, because Kane set the Undertaker on fire, I go, yes, yes. That's everything to me. I, I did gain such a an, uh, an new respect after playing you in WWE trivia, of which there was no playing you in WWE trivia. She pulls out the WWE trivia game, and she goes, these questions. got it for me for my birthday. She goes, these questions are impossible. And she started asking me the questions. She couldn't even finish them. It was honestly <laughs> unbelievable. She was like, at WrestleMania six at the Ultimate That was Challenge. more exciting than that pay-per-view. Right. It was fast lane. Fast, yeah. Yeah, I was like, keep going. You're like, no, I feel humiliated. And that was classic version. There was like classic Attitude Era. And then current era. Current. Yeah. I would love to take you through the Hall of Fame and just explain. That's what I would do. If you and I went to the Hall of Fame together... I would stop at every single item. Do I get like a piece of candy for every thing I make it through? You get appetizers at the end. Oh, I'll pay for your I'll pay for your lunch at the Hall of Fame restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Candle at dinner. Right, right. The Andre onion rings. <laughs> yeah, I would I would do that for you. I would get you the uh, the uh, 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 four horsemen burger. You I'm know, in. yeah, no no problem, no problem. Uh, can we have a side of cocoa beware ketchup? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would take you item by item and explain to you what each one was and what the historical significance of it is Not and that why I ha- it's amazing. See, I, I respect, obviously, all of that, but yeah. that just to me screams Snooze Fest USA. I'll bet you'd have a great time. I'm sure I would, though. I bet I, bet I would show you a great time because you like this stuff at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Well, and you remember it from when you were a kid. Like, if they had Doink the Clown's, like, wig... In the thing. I would just stare at that wig and be like, I remember watching this wig on television as a child. This is amazing to me. You know, that's what I would want to see. All that stuff. Swig a beer for the working man. We owe somebody a beer for that. Your alerts were on. Um, Oh. Right. Yeah. Keep up, Katie. Now, let's talk about... Let's talk about that that sale that's happening right now. Is this a good time to segue? What sale? Get your Y2AJ t-shirts. It's a BOGO. A lot of people ask me if I ever get tired. Buy one, get one. Free. <laughs> a lot of people ask me if I ever get tired of being wrong. Buy one, we'll pay you for a Y2AJ shirt. I literally went on the video show that I do, you know, the State of Wrestling bonus show that I put up on YouTube every week on Thursday uh, afternoon. And I said, not only do I still think Y2J and AJ Styles are breaking up, but the t-shirt is a red herring. That screamed Chris Jericho to me. Chris Jericho loves doing that stuff like that. That's what Chris Jericho, I think, is best at. It's telling these stories with detail. When he was a heel, when he came back to be a heel and he was an effective heel, 
he was so effective because one of the reasons because he was a heel all the time he was a bad guy he refused to let them sell t-shirts he would not let them produce a Chris Jericho t-shirt because he didn't want people wearing Chris Jericho shirts in the audience because he's a bad guy he goes to he's the guy who can always surprise you with a return because he'll lie in interviews, because he'll hide in a trailer for the entire show, because he does all this stuff, he still, even if we see it coming, tries to preserve the magic of wrestling. Chris Jericho is the type of guy who would say, okay, you know what, I bet the audience, a lot of them probably think that I'm just going to turn on AJ. So he probably went to them and said, let's make a very limited number of these t-shirts. We'll just throw them together. There's not a lot of work put into them. We'll throw them together. Like breaking codes and and risk taking, whatever it's called, <laughs> like code breaking and risk taking. That's not a phrase that would ever be used long term. <laughs> Which is what I thought as soon as I saw the shirt. I said that's genius. They're only going to make a few of these things. Everybody should order them now because they're only making those shirts to throw people off the trail. And I love it when they do stuff like that. And that's what they did. Yeah, and I'm sure the seven people that purchased them were real happy about it too. Well, sorry, Marks. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> What are you going to do, you mark? Um, but yeah, so obviously... I'm going to see if it's on sale. It's not. I checked this morning. I'm going to check right now. It's, it's $24.99 still. Obviously, rip. obviously, as we discussed, this is leading towards the WrestleMania match. We will not have the same argument that we had last week, although I enjoyed tremendously having that argument with you. Are you still not in the camp of this being a good fit for AJ Styles? Um put best in the words of our Twitter compadre, uh, John Huerta. We call this Y, as in W-H-Y to AJ, question mark. So you don't like it at all still? Y to AJ. You know what? There's not going to be that many people at WrestleMania who have a singles match. They don't do a lot of singles matches at WrestleMania. I heard the Ryback's getting a singles match. The Ryback deserves a singles match. He's the Ryback. Um... There aren't a lot of people who get singles matches at WrestleMania because they want to get so many people on the card. Can you agree with me that you—let's no, back up. Mm-hmm. Do you like the AJ taking on Jericho, or would you rather see an Owens or someone of that caliber? I think at WrestleMania, yes. at AJ's first WrestleMania, yes. this is the match that probably makes the most sense. That's what I think. I think this is, and you know, I'm, I'm, am I going to complain if I'm watching a Kevin Owens AJ Styles match? No, I would flip my, I would flip out completely. I'd be enthralled by it. I would love it. It would be amazing. That said, for this show, you'd rather see the KO, but you think this makes more sense. This makes more sense for okay. WrestleMania as like as an individual wrestling fan who's smarky and on the internet or whatever. I would rather, for myself, watch Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. But if I'm the guy who's put in charge of WrestleMania, I say the AJ Styles-Chris Jericho match makes more sense for WrestleMania. Chris Jericho is a full-on... Just if maybe in pure entertainment, mm-hmm. like light-up jackets start to finish, is that why you think it's so good? Chris, no, I think I think the story being told is a perfect story. Number one, I understand... Keeping AJ Styles away from the main roster until after WrestleMania. After WrestleMania is when AJ Styles really enters in. And he enters in very, very strong because he's going to beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. I think utilizing Chris Jericho as a full-on bad guy, which he hasn't been for a while, 
is great, and he finally is. Even when he was wrestling AJ those two times, he wasn't a full-on bad guy. Now, Chris Jericho is an evil wrestler, and he's wrestling AJ Styles. He's giving us a reason to boo him. He's giving AJ a reason to be like, you know what? I trusted you. You turned on me, blah, blah, blah. And and that, in turn, is going to give us all, not that we needed, a reason to cheer for AJ Styles. I like the story that's being told. I think it's been done properly. I think it's been done long form. It's a more old-school old story. And I think we're going to have plenty of time to see a Kevin Owens-AJ Styles feud. Plenty of time. And quite frankly, based on what we saw this week on Raw, I mean, would I be excited for a Kevin Owens-AJ Styles match? Yes. Does it blow my mind, the premise, that we could have... Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a WrestleMania ring together. That is the most mind-blowing thing I've heard in the wrestling world all year. And I just chokeslammed somebody. (laughs) Okay? Like, for a guy who was at Ring of Honor shows watching Generico, I saw their final match at the Hammerstein Ballroom. I've watched Generico and Kevin Steen destroy each other in these arenas. And nobody watched them thinking, this match is going to be at WrestleMania. So the idea, and and I'm not saying it definitely is, because it might not. But the idea, I mean, just the idea that on Friday night, in a WWE ring, we could see El Generico versus Nakamura. And then on Sunday night at WrestleMania, see Kevin Steen and Generico in the ring together. Is, like, so mind-blowing from the perspective of a wrestling fan that's been watching these guys for years. You can't even put it into words. Like, this is not... This was never supposed to happen. And and for every WWE naysayer and every person who's so sick of Roman Reigns, it's like, look past that and realize, like, what is happening? The only reason that uh, that the main events for WrestleMania have gotten so screwed up is because... Former Ring of Honor champion Tyler Black is too injured to defend the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. It's just crazy town what WWE has become in the best possible way. Um, You know, there's still lots of rumors about Kevin Owens may, because they're doing the Owens Mania thing, he may end up in a multi-man match for the Intercontinental title. Personally, I think that's a mistake. I would make... I I guess the idea here must be that they want to do the David versus Goliath thing that they never got to do with Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar. So they're bringing it down about nine layers, and they're setting it up to do between Kalisto and Ryback. The Ryback. Which, by the way, we didn't take from Taz. We took from uh, 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 Table for Three. Or the Internet? I took it from Daniel Bryan on Table for Three. That's exactly why I started saying it. Um, and I just started saying it because you started saying it. <laughs> However, we love Taz. He's, a, he's an ally of this show. He's one. There are podcasting enemies and podcasting friends. Taz is in the podcasting friends category. Uh, I mean, broadcasting. He doesn't even podcast anymore. His is live and every day. So, as I was saying, I think, uh, I, I think that they're trying to do a David versus Goliath story between Kalisto and, and the Ryback. But... Um, I would rather see a multi-man match for the U.S. title with Kalisto flying all over the place and let Kevin Owens have a moment to shine 
again. I mean, I was fine with him fighting the Big Show last week, and I still would be fine with that match because he would have that moment that we talked about. Mm-hmm. The pop-up powerbomb on the Big Show would be the most incredible thing oh ever. Oh, gosh. But, I mean, I was watching... I had goosebumps this week watching Raw with just the thought of a Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens match at WrestleMania. It would be, I mean, among the most incredible things I've ever seen. I agree. Yeah, and it's for a lot of reasons. Like, just because the match would be great, just because it's great storytelling, and poetically, in the bigger picture, it was never supposed to happen, you know? Speaking of being right, not only about the Y2AJ split up, but what's our women's championship match at WrestleMania? Yeah, you called that. Triple threat. I see these things, okay? I know what's happening in WWE. Um, Did totally call that. And again, great position for all three of those women to shine. I would rather, for poetic reasons, watch Sasha Banks and Charlotte one-on-one. And let that kind of, you know, after all the battles these two had, to me, Sasha Banks and Charlotte are the new generation Batman and Joker of women's wrestling. Like, it's one of those matches that will just be forever, that will last forever, that will always be the ultimate rivalry amongst women. And unless you watched NXT, which I think most of the people listening to this podcast do, uh, you wouldn't know that, you know, based on the product that's there now. But, you know, can you just just picture, and I know now we're we're pining for something that isn't going to happen, but just picture, do you remember how great WWE's production value is, I mean, better than anything. It's 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 better than most TV outlets anywhere. No, hands down. Ever. Um, do you remember how amazing the video package was? And maybe you don't because I have like a steel trap wrestling trivia brain. But do you remember the video package that played for The Miz before he defended his title against John Cena at WrestleMania? That was the one that The Rock was the guest host for. I think it was 27. Um, yeah, it was 27. That was he was the guest host for it, and he came out and he screwed up the finish. But the video package that they played for the Miz, like the Miz's title reign, had been questionable at best. You know, the Miz was always the Miz. Before going into WrestleMania, his biggest world title opponent was Jerry the King Lawler. That's who he defended the title against at the pay per view before WrestleMania. It was Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> he hadn't been put in the greatest position, as you know. I'm a Miz fit. And I still have uh, a lot of faith in The Miz at all times. But um, they put together this package, and it made you, as you're watching WrestleMania and you're getting ready for this match, all of a sudden you believed in The Miz because they showed clips from uh, the real world when he started doing The Miz on MTV on the real world. They showed clips from him doing the diva search. They showed clips from him on Tough Enough. And you go, wait a minute. This is a guy that's been trying to do this forever. Wait, 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 wait. This isn't just some obnoxious douche. Like, this is a kid who's wanted to do this for 15, 10 years, whatever it's been. You know, he's a young guy, but since he's a kid, this is all he's wanted to do. And when he's popped up on The Real World, all he's talked about is wanting to be the WWE champion. And when he's popped up on the Road Rules Challenge, all he wants to do is be the champion. And then he goes to Tough Enough, and all he wants to do is be the champion, and he's hosting the Diva Search just because one day he might be the champion. And now we're watching this guy enter the main event of WrestleMania. And it was just this culmination, and it was all because of this video package. And you go, whoa. I this is the story. You know, I always talk about the stories mm-hmm. and how much they mean to me. Mm-hmm. I go, this is the story I've been waiting for. This is it. Now I understand why I care about the Miz in that moment. 
can I, I just picture the video packages that could be made to explain the Charlotte Sasha Banks rivalry that permeated throughout NXT for two years. You know? Strong. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the. I like how you were thinking about the video package. That's thing. what I was thinking that's about. It's really funny. I mean, the story that would be told through that video package to bring everybody who just watches Raw or SmackDown up to speed mm. with the history of Charlotte and Sasha. Because honestly, like, you know, the history of Charlotte, Charlotte Sasha, and Becky, it's kind of like the end of their NXT run and really starts with the Divas Revolution on Raw that night. That's when all three came in together. Yes. But it wasn't like in NXT there was this three-way thing going on. It no. was like Becky, if anything, it would be the four horsewomen. And and Bailey was just as big a part of it in NXT as was Becky Lynch, if not maybe bigger. Bailey might have been an even bigger part of it with Sasha and Charlotte than Becky was. But the main roster story, Becky Lynch is right associated with those two. I just feel like they could go a little bit deeper and tell, like, a real story here. Especially for WrestleMania. About these two women and go to the clips. Play the clip from our interview from last year's WrestleMania when Charlotte said to us, I want to main event a pay-per-view. I want to main event a WrestleMania. That's what she said. She said, I want to main event a pay-per-view. And we said, with who? And she said, Sasha. You know? Hmm. And it's like there's all this stuff that's been brewing for years with Sasha and Charlotte. And I think that is a story that really could have been told here. And, I, you know, I love Becky. I know you like, you're like you a Becky Lynch fan. Um, and I think it's going to be a good match. And I'm glad Becky gets a spot to shine. But just in terms of me being a story junkie, I would have loved to watch that story be the story that gets played out. Can't agree, disagree with you, know, you, Sam Roberts. You know, uh, another good idea. What do you think? For I do want. Well, I'll talk about him at the very end. What do you think about the big boss man going into the Hall of Fame? I mean, you're more excited about the Hall of Fame than I am. You don't like the Hall of Fame? No, nah, it doesn't do anything for me either. It's like the museum. You just move forward. Yeah, I'm all about the right now. I'm right. a millennial, Sam. You are. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Snapchat generation. Yep. It's dead in ten seconds. What that's difference right. does it make? <laughs> Who cares who the champion is? They're not going to exist tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, you know, I think people. I do think people take the Hall of Fame ballots a little too seriously. I think Big Boss Man deserves a spot in there. I'm glad he's going in. He's the man. Um, you know, uh, the only criticism I heard from that was that uh, Rick Rude's not in the Hall of Fame. And, oh wow! And Rick Rude does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. See, those are two names to me though that are like. Oh, they aren't in. They aren't in. Right, both of them. Right, yeah. No, I, I think that's right. And and the Hall of Fame's got time though, and that's what people never really give credence to the fact that you know there's always going to be that spot. There's the. I feel like they kind of fill spots where there's the there's the legendary spot, which is going to the Freebirds. There's the headliner spot, which is going to Sting, and then there's like the mid card Attitude Era spot, which goes to Godfather. Mid card legend spot, which goes to Boston. Yeah, you're right. You know, like the Godfather gets Rikishi's spot. You know what I mean? Totally. From last year, and and you know, I I think they had to change it up a little bit last year because, although I mean, because the story about the shrubs went too long. (laughs) It did go too long. (laughs) Um, To bring it up, but like Kevin Nash going in last year as the headliner, that was probably because 
Macho Man was obviously the headliner, but it passed away. Um, that was last year, right? Or am I? Am I all? Well, I think you're up? thinking of uh, Ultimate Warrior, because then she came back this year or last year. No, speech. that was for that was for the cancer award. The Connor, you know, the little so, Connor. Yeah, but that was only one year prior where he went in. Right, but Warrior went in as a living person. And then Macho was last year. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Macho yeah. was last year, and the reason I think that he was the and headliner. His brother did it, didn't he? Yeah, Leaping Lanny. His brother, the genius. Did, out of my era, sorry. You don't remember the genius? Get mad at me. He was manager of the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> you don't remember the Beverly Brothers? Did they spell it with an E-Y? What's wrong with you? By the way. If in your life you're getting criticized for not remembering the Beverly Brothers, yeah. you probably have a lot of good going on for you. If that's if that's if if and by the way, this is because I want to see it. Go ahead and, and send Katie criticisms for no, not remembering. No, don't do not. Do, that's that's a bad Sam. I want you to know something, Sam. This is not. This will go on for a full week in my inbox. I'll have to sift through it and write back to the nice people and have to. No, I, what you just did was a mean thing. I want you to know something. Be a star before we. Be a star before, so you can enjoy it with me. This is not a free bird situation. The Beverly Brothers are not a memorable tag team. And you, uh, being the uh, person that you are, in no way, shape, or form need to know who the Beverly Brothers were. Yeah, well, guess what? Now I will. However. Full week. However, if you remember who the Beverly Brothers are, brag about it. To at Katie Linendahl. <laughs> Let her know. Just, you know what? Don't even say nasty things. Don't, don't say nasty things because it's not right. We don't do that here on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. But you know what I do want you to do? Just tweet photos of the Beverly Brothers Thank you. to at Katie Linendahl. I want her fantastic. timeline flooded with photos of the Beverly Brothers. Nothing but Beverly Brothers. And hashtag that. Just hashtag, hashtag nothing but Beverly Brothers. I already feel the anticipatory <laughs> excitement, Sam. Yes, yes. Wow. Nothing but Beverly Brothers. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. They're not in the Hall of Fame, you know. The Beverly Brothers have not gone in yet. Probably get them trending after I get a barrage of... Nothing but Beverly Brothers? Yep. Um, I also want to say, uh, in terms of uh, non-WWE uh, stuff, Lucha Underground is on iTunes. So it's going to be... It's it's a good outlet for to finally be able to see the show, because I don't have it on my cable. When'd that happen? Uh, this week, I think. Wow. Like, they just put up the first two seasons. Now, look... Maybe if you go to NotSam.com and buy some more Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirts, yep. I'll be able to buy those season passes because that's like 40 45 bucks a piece. Oh. You know, that's 85 bucks. But it's in your digital library forever. That's true. I love the digital library. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited that Lucha Underground is on iTunes, and I'm going to start watching that way so we can start talking about it a little more. Um, I also want to talk about, uh, and I guess we should... Roadblocks on Saturday. What are your feelings about Roadblocks? I'm really excited for it. What did you think of the end of Raw? This is what we should talk about before I close with what I was going to close with. I feel like they are... Look, WWE is almost certainly listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, Sam had a good idea. I'm going to do that. However, (laughs) they are teasing me. They know. I think that they are designing segments just to poke me. There is no way that they are going to give Bray Wyatt a run with that heavyweight championship. And they always do this with Bray Wyatt. They always bring him to the ring, and they make him look strong. And they make him have a face-off with Triple H, who's the COO and the heavyweight champion. And then he strokes the belt as if to say, I'm going to take that belt from you. And you go, oh, my God, what if Bray Wyatt is the champion? And guess what happens at Roadblock? 
He's going to get squashed by Brock Lesnar. He's going to cash in the money in the bank briefcase? No. He's not the money in the bank. Well, weren't you at least a little excited that he was still in that high-level mix? There has to be some gratification there. Of course I was excited. I was excited, and then I felt angry because I knew that they were toying with me, and they were toying with my emotions. That's what was going on. I don't think you open up that storyline without having a... It's going to go a little further. No, it won't. And if it does... It'll be Brock Lesnar destroys Bray Wyatt and then Triple H pedigrees him. Yeah, I don't think you'd open up that story without going a little bit further. Says Bray Wyatt, the guy who's not getting a WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar. (laughs) All you had to... Yeah, so what if the Wyatt family assaulted Brock Lesnar on Raw and then eliminated him from the Royal Rumble? We'll settle our differences at Roadblock. Roadblock is Bray Wyatt's path to being a main eventer. Roadblock... (laughs) Roadblock is Bray Wyatt's personal roadblock. Yeah. Yes. Right now. I mean, yeah. So I felt, I felt, I was happy to see him in the spot, but it's like they're toying with me. I know they're toying with me. They're not going to do it. They're not. That's like when you're like, oh, maybe Roman Reigns will turn heel. No. What if John Cena does? No. It's not going to happen. Like, no more ideas like that. If it does happen, we can all rejoice and have a, a, a bonfire. Because I'm lighting something on fire. I'll be so excited. Oh, no. I promise you I will. No, man. But in the meantime, no ideas about Bray Wyatt being a main event guy. No ideas about Roman Reigns being a heel. No ideas about John Cena being a heel. Those three things are illegal in my conversations about wrestling. And Linendahl, if you bring any of those three up. What you are doing is illegal. Right. I'm going to throw a yellow flag at you if you bring any of those up. <laughs> Ed Hockley, 85 style. Mm. Ooh, right in your face. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about the end of Raw. We got encroachment <laughs> on the offense. Something's first down. Would it, would it, would, so did you get excited when you saw it? Yeah. I mean, you're watching more from like a, a real, like, just I'm having fun watching wrestling yeah, perspective. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this. I'm the, I'm the tried and true wrestling fan. Yeah, which is what the podcast is for, people who like wrestling. That's true. That's why I'm glad you're here. It's true. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's just the awareness of like, oh, it's Bray. Oh, he's staring down Triple H. Oh, wait, you've done this to me before. Like, I won't get fooled again. What I did, just thought it was an odd mix, though. What did George W. Bush say? Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Well, well, well you, can't, you can't fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I live my life. Um, you thought it was an odd mix scene? Yeah, it's with Triple H. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that has to conclude somehow. I, th- I don't think it will conclude at all. But I think what it is is a reminder that Bray Wyatt doesn't live in the context of good guy or bad guy. Bray Wyatt lives in the context of that the Wyatt family exists as a single entity out for destruction, you know? Triple H, even though he's a bad guy and Bray Wyatt is a bad guy, represents the authority, represents stability, represents the company. Bray Wyatt represents everything that's not that. So I think that it was a reminder of of Bray not being a team player. You know what I mean? But I still like to keep the Wyatts in that category, though. Of main event? No, on being wild cards and not be a team player. At all. Yeah, they're not going to be... That should be the whole thing. We've been talking about this for months. Right. They should be their own entity. They are their own entity. Keep them that way. Right. And they win about as often as the social outcasts. Right. So then the social outcasts are their own entity as well. I love both teams, but they don't win matches.
and at Roadblock Bray Wyatt is obviously you know WWE is big on this merge thing right now we do a hybrid mm-hmm. like a social like a you know like a Y2AJ thing like you could do that with the social outcasts and the Wyatts could be a new found the faction. eaters of Twitter <laughs> that's good um I think uh, I, 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 yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm excited to watch Roblox. It'll be good. What do you think of this idea that people are throwing around? And you know, I mean, this will be the, the last two WrestleManias. They've had to screw up the whole main event to make it work because they're like, "Yep, this doesn't work at all." Roman Reigns has obviously intentionally been off TV for a couple weeks. There are those that believe that Dean Ambrose will win the world title at Roblox in order to upset the main event and either set up a Dean Ambrose-Roman Reigns main event or a triple threat or a fatal four-way. Wait, how would that go into a triple threat? Now you it will go into a triple threat because Brock Lesnar was promised a match with Dean Ambrose. Roman Reigns was promised oh, a title is, shot. Oh, how you get into the fatal four-way. So now okay. you're like, okay, you know, I, a rematch from Fastlane, which was an amazing match, triple threat match. Or you could say... Hunter comes in and says, well, you know, I get my rematch, so now it's a fatal four-way. Or it's just Roman Ambrose. Um, how do you, what, where, do you, where do you land on that? I feel like there's one uh, script flip. Flip of script, what mm-hmm. is that? Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> uh, this, there's like one turn that's still ready to happen, and I th- Roadblock's going to determine that. Come on, clearly, right? It could be, but... You think there's still another one to happen? Because really, the road, the the the. I don't think it's going to be Shane McMahon worthy. Well, the flip of the script was Shane McMahon. I mean, Shane McMahon is there because John Cena is. There's something second tier to that. And uh, and by the way, we did learn this week uh, at that WrestleMania press conference, John Cena said he will not be wrestling it this year. It's WrestleMania. But we kind of knew that, right? We did, but there were rumors about him returning. There's a little confirmation there. Right, right. Everybody was wondering maybe he'll return way quicker than expected, and he won't. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I doubt it. I believe that they will try to tell the Roman Reigns Triple H story effectively. Um, they have a lot of work to do. It's not impossible to do. Not a lot of time. No, they won't have a lot of time. I believe Roman Reigns will be back on TV after Roadblock. Um, and I th- don't I don't think Dean Ambrose will win the title. I think that your matches will be Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose. And I think you, you I think your main event is Triple H versus Roman Reigns. And I think it is on WWE between next Monday and WrestleMania to tell a story that we can buy. So that's like two weeks. I think it's three. I think you have three episodes April of 3rd. Raw. Okay. Uh, I might okay, be wrong. Whatever. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Neither, nor, neither here nor there. Right. Um, yeah. So I think you use your remaining TV time between now and WrestleMania to try to figure out a way that that match is effective. Because right now Triple H versus Roman Reigns is not effective. Because Triple H is still a bad guy, and Roman Reigns is going to get booed out of Dallas. Oh, man. I mean, it's going to happen. It, ha- it was That was the problem last year, and they figured out a way to do it. It was the problem the year before, and they figured out a way to do it. Now, last year, they had to have the money in the bank become a factor. The year before, they had to completely change the match. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I don't think you can keep doing that. I don't think you can get every year to WrestleMania and realize that you screwed the whole thing up and <laughs> changed the match right before WrestleMania. It's like, just tell a story the right way for the first time. Like, there's no, you can't just screw up every time and change it the last minute. So I think that they have to try to tell the story properly this time. You know, I think that's the only way to do it. And, I, you know, your predictions have been pretty right so far. I think it can be done. 
You know, I think you can turn the audience more in favor of Roman Reigns. I think it's going to be very difficult. I think Roman Reigns needs to be portrayed very much as a badass. Um, I think he needs to be a Terminator robot, you know. I think he needs to not ever smile. I think he needs to have zero jokes. Um... But I think it's possible for Roman Reigns... I still think it's possible for Roman Reigns to be an effective main event good guy. I think it could happen. And maybe shame. I'm naive, but I think it could happen. I don't think there's going to be a double turn because I don't think Hunter is an effective good guy in the authority role. doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I, would, I don't think Dean Ambrose will win the title at Roadblock. But we'll see. We'll see. Wow. What would you rather see? Why 2 aj you want to see them as a tag team? Yep. You love them. I'm just kidding. What would you rather see? Uh, 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 do you want to see Hunter and Roman, or do you want to see something that involves Ambrose and maybe Brock Lesnar? Like, what what excites you more as a fan who's going to be at WrestleMania? A fatal four-way sounds like a really op- awesome proposition. You like that? That's just exciting like that. to you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be an exciting thing, but uh, we'll see. I do want to say a couple words. You know, I know that you didn't spend your high school. You spent your high school actually talking to people. I spent my high school uh, tape trading. You know, you had dates. I had a VCR. But I, that's how I ended up seeing as much wrestling as I saw. And one of the people I was exposed to when I was in high school was a guy named Hayabusa who wrestled mm-hmm. for FMW. Um, he was way ahead of his time. I mean, he was doing... And he, he wrestled once, maybe twice for ECW in the States. I think Heat Wave 98, he wrestled a tag match with uh, Hakushi versus Sabu and RVD. But Hayabusa was... I mean, I had so many best of Hayabusa compilations from RF Video and all this stuff. Um, I just became obsessed with him because he was an amazing aerial dude and this was also the time of barbed wire explosion, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He once did a match, this was after he took the mask off, where he had a firecracker shoved in his rectum. Oh, That was the stipulation of the match and he did it. And it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen as a kid. But he was, aside from putting fireworks in his butt, he was he was amazing to watch. Just the spectacle, the way he would put his body on the line, uh, and the amount of people that I think he influenced uh, was huge. If anybody, if, if you haven't seen the stuff Hayabusa did in FMW and that sort of deathmatch era wrestling is interesting to you, you definitely need to YouTube, Daily Motion, wherever it is, Check it out or go through my mom's tape closet because I got tons of Hayabusa tapes. Uh, He went on. He ended up getting paralyzed from the neck down in a wrestling match. And it was not because he was using barbed wire or an explosion or fire or whatever it was. It was just one of those freak accidents Mm. where he went for, I believe he went for a moonsault off the second rope and fell on the back of his neck and he got paralyzed. Um, And he he was in a wheelchair for years. Uh, But... I think it was either earlier this year or late last year. He was at a show and walked for the first time. Wow. And it was, it's really, if you haven't seen it, Katie, that's something that you would like to see. I mean, it was an amazing thing to go in front of an audience and to actually finally be able to stand up and take a few steps. Uh, it was a pretty incredible thing. That's definitely something just for inspiration. Absolutely. That you should YouTube and find for yourself. Uh, but he passed away. I think at the end of, I think over the weekend actually. It was between our last podcast and today. Uh, he passed away. I think he was 47. And uh, uh, yeah, he was just such, he was a big influencer. I know a lot of today's wrestlers are huge 
fans of his. I know uh, Neville was very influenced by Hayabusa. Mm. Um, a lot of the people who are wrestling now that were in Japan or that studied Japanese tapes were influenced by Hayabusa. And again, it was a, a lot of the a lot of the aerial stuff that you see was Hayabusa influenced. So uh, yeah, just wanted to say. Uh, He'll be, I mean, you know, his 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 work will speak for itself and live on forever. And uh, yeah, I think he did as much as people may not like some of the quote unquote garbage wrestling, which is the barbed wire and the explosions and the fire and stuff like that. I think he did a lot of good for the industry, and he influenced a lot of people in a positive way. So uh, yeah, we just appreciate his his impact that he had on wrestling, and and rest in peace, Hayabusa. Prayers up. That's right, prayers up indeed. Katie Linendahl. Don't forget to tweet Katie Linendahl photos of the <laughs> Beverly Brothers uh, at Katie Linendahl on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. She's also got an amazing tech lifestyles podcast, which you can get at katie.show. That's the actual website URL. Or you can look up katie.show on iTunes and subscribe for yourself. Uh, I also want to tell you to subscribe to my other podcast feed, which is uh, Sam Roberts Show on SiriusXM for shows to get updated on Monday and Friday. Uh, the Virgil audio is up there. Uh, the video also just went up on the YouTube channel. We will see you next week here on Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Chowski. That's right. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.